Welcome to the From the Stem Up podcast. My name is Adriana, and here we spark youth connections in STEM fields. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our fifth podcast episode for From the Stem Up. I'm super excited to foster a community of youth in STEM, and I hope you are too. I can't believe we are already at our fifth podcast episode, and I'm so glad that you guys have been so supportive of this podcast, and I can't wait to see where this goes in the future. Today, we have a super awesome guest who has accomplished so much. Hey, Chinmayi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. You know, I've just been relaxing because school is done right now for me. So <laughs> honestly, same, taking a lot of time to just catch up on everything that I couldn't do during the normal school year, getting lots of sleep and good food as well. So it's been a great time to recharge as well. Kind of a silver lining, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I've been definitely realizing how much sleep I didn't get at school. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. So my name is Chinmayi Valusu. I am 17 years old. I'm originally from Northern California in the United States, and I'm currently a rising sophomore in college at Columbia University in New York City. I haven't formally declared my major yet, uh, so still undecided and still exploring a lot, but I do really love learning about science, neuroscience, and honestly engaging in a lot of science outreach. My favorite school subject would probably be science, and I'm really into also the interdisciplinary connections of science. So while it's not my top, top favorite, I definitely do love looking at other courses such as history and public health and a lot others. Um, I guess outside of school and research work, I really love playing soccer. I played soccer for almost a decade, I believe, and I still do love playing soccer. Uh, I practice taekwondo, which is a form of martial arts a lot. I like going for long walks where I live in California. There's a bunch of nature trails around, so you'll often find me exploring. And a fun fact about me, I would say, is that I'm actually not a big fan of candy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've heard some people don't like chocolate, but I mean, I can't complain because that means it's just more for us. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. And I actually have a dream of going to California one day. It's pretty pretty hot over there. Sometimes I get pretty sick of the snow here in Canada, but Aww. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> California is a great place to be. <laughs> yeah. What does STEM mean to you? So I'm very much biased towards the science side of STEM, so the S in STEM, but overall I think that combining everything, all the different fields in STEM together, it just really is a way of approaching problem solving, I believe. And coming from my background in science, I really felt that when we basically combine all of our findings and thought processes from different fields together and integrate everything together, it just makes for a very meaningful way of understanding our results in research or investigations, for example. And it's very meaningful, especially to be able to translate that to society and to other folks who may not be directly involved in science, but would like to know about it. So 
summing it up, I think STEM is really uh, almost an attitude or a mentality in a way of problem solving outside of just being explicitly the fields that they are. And it's honestly a great way to investigate and translate. I think it has sums down to that, investigate and translate. I like how you said investigate and translate, but I also like how you said that it's not really just something that people major in. It's also like a mindset and it's also a motivation for people to make really cool things in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you are greatly involved with the field of neuroscience and have been recognized for your work along the way, which uh, we will delve into later on. When did you first get interested in this field? I would say, I believe I was around 12 or 13 years old. It was towards the end of middle school, if I remember correctly. And it's, it's actually a very silly story. I tell a lot of people about this, but I think it's really silly looking back at younger me. But I was at a science fair, and you know how oftentimes there are different booths set up with interactive exhibits and such at science fairs? Well, I walked to I walked up to one that had a brain model set up. It was one about, you know, I think anatomy or biology, something in that regard. But there was a human brain model set up where you could take apart different pieces and put them back together. Um, just to make it clear, this is not an actual human brain. It is a plastic model. But I remember taking apart all of the pieces and thinking, oh, this is kind of cool. This is like a puzzle or a Legos of sorts. But after I'd taken apart all the different pieces of the model, I believe there were over 20 parts. It was pretty complex. I realized that I did not know how to put it back together. And <sighs> I was really surprised by that. I just remember thinking, oh, this, this seemed pretty simple when I was taking it apart. But then I realized that it was a lot more complex than it initially seemed. And I think that sort of view on the brain still reflects into my current perspective today. I simply believe that the brain is so much more fascinating than thinking about it as a, you know, a three pound pink lump sitting in your skull. It's a lot more than that. And that was sort of my first initial interaction with thinking about the brain as something a lot more, something that is a lot more complicated than initially seems. And so really started delving deeper into different aspects of the brain. Neuroanatomy is really interesting to me. And so it just went from there. It took off. Yeah, I heard the brain was one of the most mysterious and undiscovered things in science today, um, along with like the ocean. Uh, But it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's because it's right in our heads and we can't like our own brains can't really figure out what the brain is. So yeah, it's it's just amazing. And I totally align with your interest in this field because after just a little bit of research, you really get hooked. It's actually cool. Absolutely. There's so, so many things related to that are tied back to your brain. I mean, so many aspects of our lives are influenced by it to some point that it's absolutely true. It's like a spider web. You get caught and you just get more and more into the midst of it. (laughs) I know you have founded an organization called Simply Neuroscience. What was your inspiration behind it? And what does this initiative entail? I Maybe I'll start out with how I got involved and then talk about the mission because it kind of leads up to that. Uh, Along my, what I like to call quote unquote brain journey during high school, I met a lot of really interesting peers and experts in neuro and related fields that were honestly very amazing individuals to work with and learn with along the way. And one thing I noticed though along that journey was that 
a lot of these folks do not necessarily come from a neurobiology perspective, let's say. It's kind of neurobio is very predominant when people first think of neuroscience, but not everyone came from a heavy neurobiology background. Some people were in computer science, for example. Some people were in business or tech or wanted to become a lawyer when they grow up. So there was a lot of diversity in the approach that people had to neuroscience from different starting points. And as I kind of went through high school and started going into college, I really realized that I wanted to create a community where I could bring everyone who I had met through that journey, for instance, and other people who were looking for that sort of collaborative community together. And that was sort of the starting point for Simply Neuroscience. I initially intended it to be a sort of blog where I could have my friends come in as guest writers and share their thoughts about neuroscience and their experiences. But as more and more people started expressing interest, it, I realized that a blog may not be completely encompassing of everyone's interests. And so at that point, began to transform it into a larger organization. And from the start, it's really been based on that collaborative community in neuroscience and explicitly, very explicitly in our mission statement itself, we highly encourage interdisciplinary neuroscience and psychology especially, and based off of a, a model of education, outreach, and awareness where students can join an organization like Simply Neuroscience, they can learn about the brain, they can spread awareness about different conditions associated with the brain, and also educate others in their communities about how neuroscience and its brain-related fields can make a greater difference in our lives. So that's kind of, that's, that's been the path to Simply Neuroscience and where it is today from my own personal journey. Yeah, and I just got notified that you guys reached 2,000 followers on your Instagram, which is super awesome. You have a huge <laughs> community. I really think you guys will go really far in the future. Neuroscience is something that I don't really think many people delve into. Uh, as you said, it's usually just like doctor, engineer, tech. And then neuroscience is kind of like the field that people don't really get exposed to as much as tech would. And then as we start developing the technologies related with neuroscience, we'll be able to discover more things about the brain and we can apply that to real life. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your support. And I completely agree. There's there is a lot that can be done in neuroscience and really excited to be a part of it, you know, and with some, even if it's still a small involvement as a neuroscience student, but I believe that anyone can get involved with, you know, the developments of technologies along the way, just staying up with news even, you know, everyone was talking about Neuralink recently, for example, and how AI may, well, I don't know if the whole discussion of AI is going to take over the world soon is going to happen in the very near future. But it's interesting to see that come into popular science and popular news too. So yeah, I love yeah. neuroscience. <laughs> yeah. Since neuroscience is constantly developing with uh, technology such as Neuralink, what do you think your future career would look like? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a big thing to think about for sure. Um, I will be completely honest, I'm not exactly sure. And you know, I'm a rising sophomore in college and I still haven't declared my major yet until another year. But there's been a lot of self-exploration along the way, and I believe that as of right now, my interests are currently also in a sort of mix between uh, contributing in sort of clinical settings and also the academia and research settings, and also possibly more of a public outreach and science communication standpoint. So I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place in terms of my interests, but all coming back to neuro and science in general, I would say. 
definitely do want to have sort of a trifold blend of being able to conduct research and be in that scientific process with investigating things, but also be able to apply them in more of a clinical setting to help others. And on the other side, why I brought up science communication is I believe that, you know, the pathway can't just be science results going from a lab to a hospital, for example. There people have to be able to actually digest research results and understand what is going on, what scientists are doing and why. And so I hope to contribute to that, that more public facing side of science and really enable people to gain skills that can allow them to decipher things that we think are really big and complicated concepts, but can be summed down to easy to understand pieces. So I know that was a lot, <laughs> but we shall see how it refines further, you know, as I approach the end of undergrad, maybe go to graduate school in the future and such. Yeah, but hey, you don't really need to. I mean, you could always combine all of those together and create something of your own because as you said um, you could definitely research about it and then maybe create your own career for yourself so yeah I feel like whatever you choose it's gonna turn out really well thank you thank you nice so with that we're gonna go on to the break after the break we're going to dig a little bit deeper into Chinmai's process um, and her achievements, which gets me really excited because I'm really into Brain Bee, which she's also been involved in. So let's see you guys after the break. Yo, it's Adriana popping in for the break. <laughs> Do you like this podcast and want to be part of an episode? Are you 18 and under and have something cool to share about STEM? Well, make sure to follow at Sum Up Podcast, which is at S-T-E-M-P-O-D-A-S-T. I almost didn't know how to spell podcast there, but <laughs> make sure to follow our Instagram and then sign up in the link in bio and we'll just roll from there. Now, let's move on to the next part of the episode. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that break. For this next segment... Uh, as I said, we're going to discuss her journey with National Brain Bee. So could you give us a brief rundown about what Brain Bee is and how you got involved with it and uh, what you accomplished with that initiative? Absolutely. So the Brain Bee is a initiative that's geared towards high school students primarily. Uh, and it is, it is at its base, it is a neuroscience competition for high schoolers, but I believe it goes a lot further than that through, you know, you might go to this competition on a fine Saturday morning, but you will, you will also be able to interact with a bunch of fellow accomplished neuroscience students and a wonderful team of guest speakers and organizers who are there and who have been through neuroscience uh, before, who have expertise in the field. So along with that, you might engage with very exciting opportunities such as I remember at my first brain beat I got to go explore a confocal microscope and I was really excited about that. There's a lot of really interesting simulations and demos that vary from each brain beat chapter to chapter but it's a very interactive fun filled day that just goes beyond the competition itself. So that's kind of what the day is and as for what the competition exactly entails it's a long process of self-studying neuroscience and really learning about different facts and how the brain works and applications of brain research, different things like that. 
and you're basically tested on your knowledge. You get, you get to demonstrate what you know. And the brain bees I participated in were uh, the Sacramento brain bee, which is where, close to where I lived, and the Bay Area brain bee. And I participated all throughout high school. It was a very, very near to my heart opportunity. And this past year, wow, I can't believe it's today only here. Um, but I was champion of the Sacramento brain bee and was able to represent my region at the National Brain Bee in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was at Penn State uh, School of Medicine, I believe. It was a wonderful time. That's the only way I can sum it up. It was a wonderful time. There were very exciting components, such as we pretended that we were in the shoes of a physician and we were diagnosing patients with different conditions, uh, presenting symptoms. We were able to see different anatomy and histology parts of the brain. So <laughs> remember how I mentioned I took apart a brain model where this time I actually got to interact with live, well, not maybe live, but actual brain specimens that were in a human at some point. Nice. <laughs> it came a long way, I would say. And really exciting to be there. Met wonderful individuals who I am still in touch with today. Some of whom I actually still work with. They're simply neuroscience. So it's honestly a one-of-a-kind experience. I'm really glad to have been able to do that in high school. It's something that sticks with me for a long time. And so I would just say that even if you have no experience in neuroscience and you have no, no clue where to start, I would still suggest you give it a try for all you listeners out there. It's absolutely mind-blowingly amazing. <laughs> exactly. And hey, it's international. There was also a club at my school. It's just like a general science club, but we we dedicate a whole semester to studying for our regional brain bee. And I heard uh, there's even an international one, so I'm assuming it's in various countries around the world. And um, me in ninth grade or freshman year of high school, not knowing anything about the brain, I probably only learned about the uh, axons and dendrites and then I went to the brain beer competition for the free food. But hey, you know what? <laughs> it was a great experience. And it, it really pushes your brain because a lot of the, haha, it pushes your brain. Okay. But like, <laughs> but it, it like exposes you to a lot of things that aren't in the curriculum um, at school. So absolutely, uh, I encourage you guys to self-study or join your neuroscience slash science club if your school has that or maybe even start it because you definitely should go to brain b because brains are cool brains are cool that sums it all up <laughs> so could you talk us through your journey through science fairs and what inspired your research for it because you have gone really far with science fairs uh, and i'm really interested in your journey sure sure uh so i began science fairs in sixth grade my my first project was, I don't even remember it too, too clearly, <laughs> but it involved, um, it was, I believe, like an environmentally sustainable solution. And so, <laughs> which is quite a bit far away from my current interests at the moment, but it was still really interesting to start off with that project. And over the years, with the support of amazing science teachers along the way in middle school, really began competing in science fairs and meeting, I mean, honestly, a great way to meet other science enthusiasts as well. I highly recommend science events like that to meet other folks. Uh, so met a lot of interesting people along the way, really, really fell in love with the idea of coming up with an idea. <laughs> mm. And being able to explore an idea or just a simple thought that you have and create it into a whole process 
of investigation on your own and then be able to share that with other folks is really, really an exciting thing to be able to do. And my interest evolved over the years to sort of go into a bit of psychology and neuroscience and biomedicine as well. So earlier on, I was involved with a bit of psychology research. I had done differences in emotional expression between genders and later on looked at uh, more of like a medical lens, but looking at correlations between factors of depression and in individuals. So that was my also my first foray with using Python and a bit of code. And wow, that was a wild time to learn Python, <laughs> but I appreciated it. It's still the same. And sort of now my current research and more of my research towards the end of high school was geared towards aging, neurodegenerative diseases, and a bit of biomedicine. I was working with a longevity compound drug and investigating its effects on mice's brain tissue. And I would say that was sort of the pinnacle of my high school science fair experience. It was the most in-depth project that I had undertaken and honestly very, very thankful to my mentors for supporting me through it. It was a very intricate process of learning different uh, procedures to run and get data, for instance. So this is very hands-on very informative and the reason that I absolutely love science fairs is that you can apply knowledge beyond high school learning for instance. Um, if I saw a procedure, learned about a procedure named polymerase chain reaction or PCR for short in AP biology for instance, I was actually able to go out and do that in a lab setting and put my knowledge into action and run western blots for example and actually contribute to science along the way. I mean, it can start off with really, really small steps, but you can honestly make a really big difference in the future if you add all of your contributions up. So it's a very fulfilling experience personally, and it's also great to know that you're assisting research or you're contributing straight to research that could be groundbreaking in the future or help someone out. And more so than the science fair just being a personal development journey and a development of you as a scientist and presenting research, it's, it's really great to know that you might be able to have an impact on someone's life someday. I think that's what it all comes down to, making an impact. Exactly, because a lot of things in school, we tend to just study for the grades and we usually forget after the summer. Um, but when you do, when you really apply it to a science fair setting, it really comes to life and you even discover what you like and what you don't like. And as you said, like, you were dealing with some environmental sustainability topics and then you kind of moved a little bit more towards the biology field. And I believe that science fair, even if it's small or, I mean, I don't think any science fair is too insignificant because you always learn something new every time. Um, you do, so yeah. I definitely agree with that. So what's really cool about Chinmay listeners is that she is a rising sophomore at Columbia University, as she said. Uh, and she has an undeclared major right now. She is studying things like neuroscience, medical humanities, and life sciences. Do you want to give your experience at Columbia University? And could you give us like your application process and why you chose it? Sure. So I always give kind of a disclaimer to take my application process experience with a grain of salt because it wasn't quite their traditional one. In high school, I towards what is in like traditionally junior year or 11th grade, call it junior year sometimes and people are confused, but 11th grade. Um, I was a bit advanced in science and math and language courses and I was actually running out of courses. I didn't really 
have too much to take at school senior year if I 12th grade if I had stayed and would have had to go to community college and I didn't really want to quite do the transfer route I wanted to go for a straight four-year route in undergrad and so it was a well thought and at the same time a spontaneous bit of a decision but I actually decided to apply to colleges in the fall of 11th grade and give it a shot and maybe go straight to college right after finishing 11th grade with all my requirements done. It was it was a very interesting process of kind of not having that traditional another year of an experience in high school. And so it was interesting to sum it up. It was very interesting. <laughs> and so when I was applying to colleges, I was coming to like the why I chose Columbia question. I was definitely looking into a college that would give me the flexibility to explore my interests and not really bring me down if I decided to change my path at some point. And I also really wanted that interdisciplinary approach to be built in at the very core, uh, pun intended for the core curriculum, but I wanted that to be built in at the very core of what the college was built on. And Columbia was honestly a perfect choice because it does have a core curriculum that is built on the humanities and science integrated into it. And also with sort of a global lens with the global core classes as well, really builds you into thinking about your impact as a student, but then also on a global scale, how different movements are happening in the world and social, cultural, economic, and scientific perspectives as well. So the core curriculum honestly was the perfect, perfect option for me. And I didn't even realize that when I was applying how perfect it would be, but you know, looking back at it, a year or two away from that, it it really worked out perfectly. I am extremely happy here at Columbia, and it has been a very engaging community of like-minded peers who share a love of learning. I think that was also an interesting, um, important aspect of what I was looking for in colleges, is to be with that sort of supportive and learning community, coupled with amazing mentors and experts who are always eager to provide feedback and guidance and support. So overall, I would say why I chose Columbia summed up to three points out of maybe a million points. It was very interdisciplinary from its core itself. There's an amazing supportive and learning community. And perhaps the third point would be that the city itself, based in New York City, is an extended learning classroom with a myriad more of opportunities presented, I think, just because of its geographical location as well. So I think it sums down to that. It was a wild time trying to decide to go to Columbia, and I'm just really glad it worked out in the end. <laughs> Sometimes you never know until the end. Yeah, exactly. And everyone has their very own path. You don't have to take the traditional route to pursue what you want to do. I'm just interested, how is life in New York? It is fascinating, mind-blowing, splendid, everything. 10 out of 10 across the board. <laughs> it's actually really interesting because I lived in suburban California for all of my life, basically. And I was a bit nervous at first to move to a big city. I wasn't very, I didn't picture myself as sort of fitting into the urban setting, but I really felt like I fit in. And I think that I found my niche I really love exploring museums, for instance, and that's sort of my niche in the city. I also really found a love for musicals. <laughs> so I've been binging a lot of Broadway musicals recently, found that new interest, new aspect of my personality. I believe that the city has so much going on that it presents something for everyone, I would say. I think that's why it's so welcoming. Yeah, but you know, like the current situation going on, how do you feel about an online learning curriculum? Whew, yeah, a lot of mixed feelings and thoughts. 
about everything going on. And to be honest, I see everyone's, everyone's coming from a different background and perspective in this point. And I, I definitely respect the arguments for going completely virtual, but then also understand that there are a lot of disparities that really come out in times like these and that not everyone may, able, may be able to do online learning for the full semester or year or in foreseeable future. Um, some people will just, you know, learn, online learning is difficult. It's not the same as an in-person experience. And I definitely miss being on campus in person in college. And I think that the college experience outside of classwork is also being involved in other opportunities. Like I really miss being able to be in lab for research, for instance, or just meeting with other students for uh, club meetings or organization meetings in the evenings. So a lot of that personalized aspect is not here anymore and it's hard to recreate online. But outside of that online learning, there's going to have to be a lot of changes to make it more accommodating for everyone. And so I personally am very flexible with whether the semester and future year will be online or in person or a hybrid or other options. But I just hope that everyone will have a chance to be able to voice their opinions and have the situation be accommodating for everyone, if that makes sense. And I agree that it's particularly hard for those who don't have a great situation at home, and especially with the many layoffs that have occurred. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone's not financially stable to return back to college, especially when tuitions are sometimes a little bit more than people would like. <laughs> and, I, and I really hope that this situation will only happen for a year, but it's just constant uncertainty. Um, we always get emails from schools being like, we have this phase and we have plans and we have another phase that will happen. And, but they don't really know either. And it's, and it's a little right. bit like, imagine being someone who is like a rising freshman in college um, or university. And you know, it will be a little bit, even going to university is a really big jump in atmosphere and learning, but taking it online will maybe be even harder because they won't get the same resources as they would in a traditional classroom setting with peers. And as you mentioned, you had a lot of mentors and professors that helped you along the way. So it's, it's a little bit unfortunate, but I hope things will get better. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. We hope that things get better and that even if uncertainty arises in the future again, that we will have better ways to cope with it, not just on personal levels, but also on, you know, social levels, society-wide levels, government levels, everything. There's a lot of change that needs to happen. And I think we've realized a lot of points where we can improve. And there's a lot of, it's not only COVID, and, but like we've but we've seen a lot of different problems that have been put on the spotlight recently because exactly. these same problems have happened before, such as prejudice against people of color. But they have been washed away by other things in the media, uh, as we have always been in a sort of work mindset and keeping the economy going. But now that we've all stopped um, I feel like it's been a good time to reflect on the things that are happening around us and keeping our mental health and our physical health well and connecting with others. So as you said, there's a silver lining what we're facing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. So I know it's like a different time, but what advice would you give to our listeners who are going to apply to U.S. universities or otherwise? I, I think my biggest piece of advice is that when you're applying to college, 
really envision yourself and what your life might be like as a student at that university. I know it's really, it's a difficult process of thinking, especially during these times when we can't go visit an in-person, for instance, but even using virtual walkthrough tours, just reaching out to older students at universities and asking about experiences and asking questions about what you read on a website is actually valid or things like that, um, looking for the real experiences. I think that's important. Really put yourself in the shoes of a college student at that university and ask yourself if that's everything that you would want from a college. So definitely do explore various colleges, definitely do your research. And don't be hesitant to pour your heart out in your application, for instance. I think you really do want to be as truthful to who you are at your, at your very core in your applications. And it really does come across. People can tell if you are writing meaningfully or just writing for the sake of writing. Yeah. And as you said, and location really matters. Like uh, if Columbia was not in New York, it'd be a very different university. It, that's um, honestly very true. <laughs> yeah, so, Location plays a big part. That's true. And I think program comes first, but then location is definitely a close second because that's where you're going to be uh, living for the next four or five years. So Absolutely. Yeah. And if hopefully COVID-19 settles by visiting time next year after admittances come out, acceptances come out, I would highly encourage students to visit a university that they're interested in, even even if they have visited already, if, if, of course, it's affordable and possible, because that's a big factor as well. But if you have the opportunity to visit after you're accepted, please definitely do so. It's, you have to be able to see yourself living there and comfortably and being happy there. Some people, for instance, <laughs> this is a big thing. This is my concern. This is my parents' concern as well. But they were concerned that moving to the East Coast from California, where it's basically never snowed in my hometown, uh, that they were concerned that, you know, maybe she's not going to do too well in a very frigid winter for a long time sort of an environment. But I was pretty comfortable with that after going there and experiencing that. And my parents were more comfortable seeing that as well. So small factors like weather too can really play a big difference in your experience. So every single little thing, look into it. Yeah. Do you like the snow? Honestly, I don't mind it at all. I do really like snow now. <laughs> nice. I actually don't have too much against snow. It's just, I think it's just the cold. Uh, like That's walking true. To That's then, true. And like those very cold winds that like eat your face. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that concludes our episode. Um, do you have anything more to add? Go out into the world and explore and be a curious human. That's all, that's all I have to say. <laughs> be curious. Exactly. Okay. Thank you so much, Chinmai. And as usual, I will have all her socials linked below. Make sure to give her personal profile and Simply Neuroscience a follow on her Instagram as well. Make sure to follow her on Twitter, which is just her name with an underscore in between and her LinkedIn. Also look at Simply Neuroscience's websites to see their services and initiatives that they're doing. I'll have all those in the episode description. Always remember to ask questions and to stay curious. See you next time.